I have come here to Krakowie, and I'm all out of bubble. Really licked his ass. Are you watching closely? Welcome to Midnight Showing. I'm Nash, that's Luke, and this week, the movie we watched at midnight was Dennis Villanueva's Prisoners. Wasn't worth it. That's what we're here to tell you, and don't worry, we will notify you before we start spoiling. So, Luke, where are we here? Set in the time of when people still had flip phones, we, cle- <laughs> we quickly meet Keller Dover, a hardworking man who is often very set in his own ways. On a fateful Thanksgiving day, his daughter, along with her best friend, are kidnapped. The police are soon involved, and without getting too into the thick of the movie, Hugh Jackman, or Keller Dover, does not feel satisfied with the police department's performance and decides to take matters into his own hands. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned about not getting too thick into the movie because um, the trailers, all right? So we always get them from IMDb. You good listeners already know that. Um, the first one that IMDb gave me was the UK version. And honestly, I thought it was a little too revealing. It puts too many pieces together. Um, and then I watched like the regular trailers, like trailer number one or whatever. And it wasn't as revealing, I don't think. But honestly, for this movie, I would probably suggest not even watching the trailer it's got a very star-studded cast. It's about Hugh Jackman looking for his daughter after she gets kidnapped, and he's not the police officer, like Luke said. So if that's interesting to you, then you should check it out. But yeah, I think the trailer honestly probably does more harm than good in this one. I will back that up by saying I knew nothing about this movie besides that it was really good and had Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal, and I'm really glad that I had no prior knowledge because... This one is a movie. This one is a movie. And <laughs> who wrote this amazing movie? Already given away my thumbs up. Who wrote this amazing movie? Aaron, I'm really sorry about your last name, bro. Gizkowski. Wizowski? Mike Wazowski? Aaron Gizowski. <laughs> um, he looked like he hadn't written too many things on IMDb, but he had written Raised by Wolves, which is an HBO original. Um, I personally haven't watched it, but if you got yourself an HBO TV show that you're writing, you clearly got some skills. Yeah, you clearly did something right to get there. Um, directed by Dennis Villanueva. Uh, so I, I don't want to butcher his name. It's either V.A. Nueve or Villa Nueve. But anyway, what he's known for is some pretty uh, pretty good movies. Blade Runner 2049, which we did a special on. So go check that one out. Um, yep. Arrival, which I've seen. I'm a big fan of that movie. I think it's really interesting. And Enemy, which is supposed to be very uh, well liked. I've never seen it personally, but clearly this director knows what he's about, doesn't have a huge uh, rap sheet for movies, but 
the ones he makes seem to be pretty top notch. And I mean, comparing this movie to uh, Blade Runner 2049, it's clear that he has a very wide range of what he can do as well. And he can't, right? Because this movie is not yeah. quite like Blade Runner. I don't think anything's quite like Blade Runner. But uh, anyway, Definitely. to get to the cast of prisoners, we of course got uh, the legendary Hugh Jackman playing Keller Dover. Quite a confusing character. Excited to talk about him. And then we got my boy Jake Gyllenhaal playing Detective Loki. You know, Nash, the age-old question is, do you prefer Ryan Gosling, Ryan Reynolds, Jake Gyllenhaal? I'm going to put my foot my, my foot down. I'm going to say Jake Gyllenhaal, dude. Maybe we can talk about it a little bit. Yeah, uh, I, I, I definitely agree with that. That's a good point to make, and I do want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but they're not the only two people in this movie. Uh, we also have Viola Davis playing Nancy Birch, along with her husband, Franklin Birch, played like Terrence Howard. You might remember him from uh, the first Iron Man movie. They actually recast him, so he's only in that first one. And then um, also <laughs> Hugh Jackman's wife is uh, Maria Bello, played by Grace Dover. And then we also have Melissa Leo playing Holly Jones, Paul Dano playing Alex Jones. No, not that Alex Jones. <laughs> and then we have uh, David Dastmolchian, probably said that wrong, playing Bob Taylor. And um, you probably know that guy as playing every creepy character ever. Yeah, and if um, pretty much all those people are pretty well-known actors – um, they're maybe not always leads, but I feel like all of them have been leads in something at some point. Um, so definitely a top notch crew for the production side of this movie. It's kind of interesting how it's all of these pretty incredible actors came together for this one, but and nobody's stepping over uh, each other's feet either. Yeah, it doesn't feel forced at all. But before we get to too big of a discussion, let's talk about the Theme, if you will. Um, this one was a little bit difficult for us, um, cause it definitely is like a very human movie. Yeah. Um, by that, I mean, the characters are all very interesting and it's very realistic. Um, but we tried to settle on the power of loss and coping with it because yeah. you see a lot of that going on, um, not just from the main characters. Um, but again, we'll get into that later. First, Luke, the infamous thumbs up or down. Already gave it away. Thumbs up. I don't know how you couldn't like this movie, to be honest with you. Yeah, thumbs up. Definitely not PETA approved, but it's Ooh. a thumbs up movie. <laughs> no, 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 no. And uh, now this. Spoiler alert! So, Luke. Luke, 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 Luke. Looky, 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 looky. Uh, you know, dude, so how about we start off um, by just explaining why we reviewed this movie? Because it is it did come out in 2013, which, like, other than, like, our Blade Runner special or the Fury Road special is probably, like, the most recent movie we've done, I mm. think. And this was actually your idea, and you've been wanting to watch it for a while. You suggested it back in, like, season one. So why did you think this movie would be good for our podcast, even though we kind of like to focus on the older movies usually? Yeah, I, I hate to... I, I hate realizing how many like Hugh Jackman movies I absolutely love. He's a beast, dude. He really is. He's, he's not. He's not this. just Wolverine. He really is. I know. I, he really isn't, and that's kind of the rap he gets because he straight up is the Wolverine. Try yeah. to recast him. I dare you. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this movie, it's I never hear anybody talking about this movie, and I like to talk about movies. Clearly, that's why we're here today. 
And this is honestly one of my favorite movies just like ever made because of how good all this acting is and how good the writing is. And you just get totally lost in it. It's enthralled, so enthralled, bro. Enthralled in this movie. We're getting enthralled. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, it amazes me that so few people I like knew had seen this. Cause I remember seeing it when it got released and I just have loved it since for a while. I, was saying it was my favorite movie I'd ever seen. Like Damn. that's how good it was for me. Um, just because it doesn't feel hammy, you know, like it's not one of those cry movies where it's like, Oh, who done it? We'll never know. Yeah. It's, it's like, you've got your suspicions, you think, you know, and then they slowly, very slowly shift for a minute. They shift for just a minute, I think. And then you're just like, wait, it can't be. No, 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 no. I can't be right. Yeah. And on top of that, it's a two and a half hour movie and might be one of the most slow burning movies I've ever watched. In fact, while we were watching it, there's a um, when you find out about um, oh, what was it? Oh, oh when you find. Um, OK, when Hugh Jackman and Terrence Howard and his wife go to speak to Jake Gyllenhaal when he finds all the clothes, I literally forgot about the scene where the guy stole the clothes from the daughter because so much more happened in the movie. So, like, yeah, I feel like that's kind of that might be kind of a good place to start because it's a really thick movie that takes its time perfectly and even though it's a two and a half hour runtime, I honestly don't think it would have worked as well if it didn't take its time the way that it did. I totally agree with that. And it's not like you're getting a ton of unheard of information or stuff like that. It's really just you're seeing these people act or how they behave and they become so believable in all that time it's almost it's like it's dead air but it's not because mm -hmm. yeah. everything that you see is relatively important you, you're definitely developing a lot just understanding what certain characters know at a base minimum but seeing how all how they all interact with each other it's crazy and you definitely couldn't have done that if it had like a two-hour time on it it just would have felt so rushed that the ending would have felt so just slapped in your face you know it would have felt like a much worse film because it didn't get you there in time and you know what's crazy about what you just said the movie starts in the first 10 minutes the girls are yeah. gone in the first 10 minutes of the movie in those 10 minutes i know pretty much everything i need to know about hugh jackman and his family between the hunting scene the way he's talking the things that are said at the thanksgiving dinner and who these people are it establishes the world perfectly and i do not say this lightly dude might be one of the most well-written movies i've ever seen in my life and i think it kind of starts with those first 10 minutes giving us this really creepy tone and then the girls are just gone and they're gone in such a freaky way that you almost think it might be kind of supernatural the way that they're gone yeah and <clears throat> it's incredibly linear it doesn't play with time in any fancy way every time you see a character you know that they are doing something in the 
they're doing something ahead of what you just saw. You're not seeing parallel time usages. Well, I think the girls were gone for like seven days, I think. Right. It's, yeah. it's like like a seven day story pretty much. And it's yeah, it sticks to those seven days. And by the time you get to the fifth day, you're like you have no idea, you know? Yeah, totally agree with that. And that that's kind of an interesting thing to bring up, too, with how they use that time like that that stamp because it is something they mention a lot and you see the days progress and how drastically people change yeah but it doesn't seem like it's unbelievable you see everything you need to to accept that that's how that character changed and that definitely i think helps with well uh, from the writing yeah you couldn't, ha- you couldn't you couldn't have that that character growth in a poorly written movie i mean come on now come on um well you know since you brought up characters what i think i think the real the real beef of this movie the real meat the real meat in between those buns is the morality of these characters and the way that the script is able to change how we feel about everybody specifically hugh jackman because he's kind of in the spotlight and i'm talking specifically about the way the script flips it on you after he's already kidnapped Alex Jones, right? So at first we think that it could possibly be Alex Jones. It makes a lot of sense. He was there. He tried to run away from the police. He's being really weird. And when uh, Hugh Jackman ducks him down, we have no reason to believe that he didn't just say that, right? And then he, um, mm-hmm. he, he, he goes outside or I mean, um, Hugh Jackman next day goes over, watches him outside, watches him choke the dog, which was really weird that I want to talk about. And then he's singing the Batman um, Jingle Bells song. And so right then you're like, oh, okay, it's actually this guy. What the heck? But then Terrence Howard comes in and he says to uh, Keller, Hugh Jackman, he's like, no, I know you, man. I know you. And I know that this is something that you can manipulate in your own mind. So right there, you're kind of like, oh, God, is he just beating the crap out of this kid? And is he didn't yeah. actually do it. And you're kind of riding that line of not knowing until the creepy dude shows up touching the bare face. And right there, it switches on you. And you're like, oh, geez, what is Hugh Jackman doing? He thinks yeah. he's right, but he probably isn't. And now all the torture scenes have such a crazy twist to them now because you almost feel sorry for this kid because you don't think it was him but then it changes again and that ended up not even being it so I think <laughs> I think that switch up for me was really the first time that I realized that this is this is going to be a ride because you know I think undeniably Hugh Jackman is in the wrong. I don't think that this movie supports vigilantism and this is not a good example of vigilantism. It's actually pretty disturbing and intense. The scene with the hammer when he's smashing the sink. uh, My heart was pounding. Your heart's pounding for most of this movie, dude. And so I just... What other other movie can I bring up that changes it this way, you know? Yeah, I, I really don't think there is. Because even if you take into account, like, how the treatment of him changed, like, you had, you know, you had him just chained up, duct tape over his mouth on the radiator so he can't get away. But then the more they start to beat him, what do they do? They start covering his head. Yeah. So he can't see. So, But probably more importantly, so they can't see him. Mm. So that image doesn't last in their mind. And then as it progresses, he's in the room he's in the shower and you can't see him at all you can hardly even hear him 
it really shows they're literally stripping away humanity for him. Mm, yeah, good point. So they don't have to interact or believe that he's a person. No, he is a villain. He is absolutely evil. And seeing that play change just emotionally with how I think as the audience, yeah, we definitely think that he kidnapped them. We think he's being he's throwing the cops off. But that comment, we think it's not naivety. It's it's bragging essentially and then like you said when he's that guy starts touching the bear we don't even know we start to doubt that hugh jackman is actually in the right and then we we do sort of know it is naivety that that guy is actually not that intelligent and then we see um we see hugh jackman like slowly break down as he's doing it to this person but he just keeps saying i can see it in his eyes i know that you know something and what what dude come on like where does that morality lie for like anybody and they don't even explain hugh jackman's past very well they give you a news article that quickly flashes on the screen and then we learn that his father committed suicide so even for like maybe an hour of the film you think that hugh jackman could just be have like be mentally ill and be in a situation in which he doesn't even understand what he's truly doing we really don't know what's going on so again it's a perfect example of a script that gives the viewer just enough to the point of where the whole time you're watching it, you're trying to figure it out in your head. And that's not an easy thing to do. And I think that goes with what you said at the beginning, where like, it's not a hammy movie because it's almost like prisoners wants us to do all the work ourselves and it's fun. It's not a chore. Yeah. And that's another good point too, with that little tiny amount of backstory. Cause I think that is meant to sort of, give the audience a bit of a misdirection to start suspecting Hugh Jackman as being a villain because, you know, that makes it, okay, a suicide and the house was left to him. You know, that that could be suspicious. That could have been he killed his dad. We don't know anything really about his dad behaved. But we do know seeing that house is that Hugh Jackman never really, or Dover, sorry, never really wanted to be there. Yeah. And it's most likely because, you know, the trauma of his dad dying there because in the first 10 minutes is where his son brings up the fact that you know they're repairing that house to move into and he says it's going to take ages and when we see the scenes of the house it it's clear that he started to do work on it but never actually tried to do any more there's very little actually done to the house other than it being boarded up yeah exactly it's only it's only the loss of his daughter that brings him back to that that, I mean, that was just incredible details that <laughs> it's so tiny, but it's so cool. <laughs> so let's let's get into the um, the juxtaposition of Jake Gyllenhaal as the detective versus Hugh Jackman as the vigilante. Do you kind of want to give me your rundown on who you think Jake Gyllenhaal is really playing in this movie? Because to me, he's a, it's one of the greatest performances I've ever seen, dude. Just the way yeah. that the way that he does the blinks and always rubbing his face and is oh, constantly yeah. persistent in this case. Another thing I want to touch touch upon in this uh, review was the way that he is a detective and how he doesn't have to be Batman to kind of figure out the plot either, you know? Like, it's very realistic the way that he is able to uncover the secrets of what's actually going on, which, again, I think plays to your point of how it's not hammy. So before I derail myself by asking you a question again, where, do you, where does Jake Gyllenhaal sit for you in this movie? 
I mean, I think again, well, I got to copy what you said. Say it's one of the best performances I've ever seen because that's those small things like that twitch that he has, absolutely incredible. You know, did you notice how he always had his shirts buttoned up? No, I didn't. I didn't notice that. He always had his shirts buttoned up all the way um, to the collar, even when he doesn't wear a tie, which I wouldn't say it's like a weird thing to do, but it's typically uncommon. And most of the people that I have seen that do that, it's typically they're hiding tattoos that that they have, like the one that he has. So it's clear, like he clearly has a past as a person. You know, he's got the knuckle tattoos. Like he's got a lot of depth. He's a very real character. Honestly, probably the single hammiest thing in this scene or in this whole movie is when he's like smashing his keyboard. He like throws his desk around and he sees the picture of the guy uh, under the church. Yeah. Like with the with the necklace. So that's probably the hammiest thing in the whole movie. And it's just one part that leads to everything. I feel but, like that. I feel like that scene had to be hammy. Yeah. It really did, because if you would have noticed it from the beginning, there really isn't a hammy way, because it's sort of like, it's the click, you know? It's the one thing that puts everything together. Mm-hmm. Again. Oh, sorry. You, no, you you're go. good. I was just going to say, again, with that that point that we just made about um, kind of forgetting that he went to go get the clothes, we kind of forget about finding the dead body in the basement of the church. And it's kind of like in the back of our minds, but we're not using it too much in what's actually happening because, again, we're not even focusing on Jake Gyllenhaal's detective work as much as we're focusing on Hugh Jackman's morality battle as he prays to god while torturing a man with like flaming hot water dude so it's i'm i'm at a loss for words trying to talk about these characters because this movie really just wants us to put the pieces together again and like yeah it's not easy it's not an easy thing to do and you have to respect the fuck out of it when it happens yeah i'm, I'm a swear because this is a movie that deserves that kind of language <laughs> honestly bro you know the uh another cool thing um is bringing up this that question of reacting to loss and that is something i think can get sideswept um with the the preacher cuz what do we know about the preacher is that, uh loki detective loki was going around and uh talking with questioning it was like level 3 sexual assault offenders <laughs> and so that's how we know the priest is that he was one of them that's how he goes to see him. And as it slowly evolves to understanding that the priest killed him because he bragged about killing and kidnapping people. It's another example of how somebody handled that loss. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Elaborate. That you don't even you don't even think about because it's like, what do we think about the priest? Well, we know he's definitely not a great guy. We think he's a lot worse because of the body. But then we find out he killed that guy for what he did, mm -hmm. you know, because he was such a terrible. The guy was just a serial murderer. So that aspect is something that can definitely get pushed under the rug. But it's just another example of what the whole movie is, is what you're watching most of the time is how Hugh Jackman is reacting to that loss and how um, the actual kidnapper in the end is reacting to the loss. Oh yeah, well it it all it all leads back leads back to her for sure, dude. So I it's 
it's a story about coping with loss and the almost like kind of resilience you have to have within yourself in dealing with this kind of situation. You can even compare it to the way that the wife reacts where she literally just wants to sleep and she's not herself and she's taking all these meds and everything and Hugh Jackman is so encompassed with the actions that he's doing on Alex Jones that he starts neglecting his own family to the point of where like do these ends justify these means? I'm not out looking for my daughter all night. I'm out torturing the guy who I think did it. In the end, we know he had played a part in it. We don't know until the very end. It's the thought, the thinking about it. Like, yeah, talk but... talk, talk about a an, an ego and a, a a morality question and looking in your eyes and knowing that you know something. Well, yeah, Hugh Jackman, like you're you're missing everything else that could help while doing something that is in in honestly unredeemable whether the guy was a part of it or not yeah and that that misdirection you know it affects loki too where they're coming in at two different angles where hugh jackman takes the sort of the one lead that they have even though we sort of know it's hammered into our heads that there is no way that he could have taken both of them yeah he just didn't have the ability to. And he doesn't necessarily believe that. And so that makes us sort of believe him in the, definitely in like the first half of the movie. And we're kind of missing the obvious. Well, who else is that guy close to? Exactly. You know, we yeah. don't we don't question the, the grieving mother that has to look over and we see a troubled a troubled person and we instantly blame them. We go to them for the answers because she seems normal so why why would she do it never 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 trust the the the, the old woman in the movie is what i've learned man they're always always <laughs> scheming always up to something and i do not want to know how many kids she threw into that pit bro like that was that was quite quite the twist and turn after like the 10th twist and turn and i I'm, I, I got one word for you, Nash. Movie. What? It's a movie. movie. It's a movie. <laughs> it is a movie, man. That's like... I, the, I, the, honestly, right now, I'm having trouble encompassing everything that happened in that movie for the two and a half hours that played out. And I almost feel like you're the first time you watch it, you really got to be in the mood to watch it and you got to enjoy it that first time. Because I feel like... Well, you watched it. How many times have you seen this movie? Like two or three, maybe? Yeah, two or three times. Let's talk about that for a second, because that was my first time watching it. And oh my God, I my heart was pounding the entire time because I didn't know what was going to happen compared to you who's seen it multiple times. How did that kind of change the way that you view the script, knowing what the twist is going to be at the end? Yeah, because obviously, um, knowing that he didn't do it, I'm looking for sort of how do I know that she did it? And what I found was they do a very good job because they just keep her out of the light for most of the movie. She doesn't seem that relevant to any of the real major characters there. You don't have any reason to suspect them. And honestly, I kind of want to go back and watch that scene again where Jake Gyllenhaal is like looking at the car outside to see if we hear anything. Yeah. Uh, and that was just the craziest thing. But watching it this time, that it took me like the, the fourth time I watched it to even acknowledge that thing about the priest was doing the same thing that Hugh Jackman did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that for a second, dude. 
Oh my god! And it's, it was it was it was even in a dark tunnel. Oh my god, bro! Yeah, dark tunnel tied to a chair with duct tape over his mouth. <laughs> and it's like the similarities there are very apparent, even though they're totally different people. Jesus, Christ. do you think <laughs> so? For me, I feel like the most important character might be Bob Taylor, though, because Bob Taylor is really what for like a solid probably like hour and 20 hour and a half of this movie. You think Bob Taylor is the killer and then you learn that, no, he was just taken and he's like playing pretend, which I also thought was a pretty cool idea for the character. So, like, where do you think? Obviously, this this is a very loaded question, but what is the main factor of this movie that you think drives the plot in that way that leaves us so compelled into it? Is it the moment that we see Bob Taylor and think he is the person when he's creeping up the stairs and she's in the bathtub and you think that he's going to take the older daughter per chance and then they're going to know that it wasn't him and then now they're going to have to deal with that morality, but that's not what happens. Do you think it's kind of like the way Jake Gyllenhaal uncovers the story? Like what? Try to explain to me like why this was your favorite movie for a long time because again, dude, I'm like thinking about it right now and it's so hard to put into words because it was so fucking good dude <laughs> yeah and it really <clears throat> i think what it plays on is it the fact that we as people we like we want to know something we want to know you know how somebody does the magic trick we want to know the answer to that question that we're seeing is this and... a sequel to the prestige dude <laughs> <laughs> prequel prequel and so <laughs> this is this is actually how they brought uh <laughs> wolverine <laughs> yeah <laughs> prequel to logan <laughs> broken man <laughs> yeah and uh i i think it really plays on that because it's not like the answer is staring you in the face but we see that pendant pretty early on for one or two scenes and that is so important because that is what sort of wraps everything together we know that the the lady that ended up kidnapping her actually lost her son too. So it's like, we know all these things, but we want to avoid them because the easier answers are, Hey, these two creepy guys, they probably did it. Mm. Well, that's, that kind of brings up how it's, it's cyclical in that way of how her losing her son really just kind of kicked all this in motion to the point of where it's a war with God. Do you think that that's kind of where the war with God portion of it comes out? Yeah, I, I think that is probably the most relevant thing just because of how religious Hugh Jackman's characters was. Um, because her whole point in doing it was that's how they fight the religious people, you know, and seeing him, you know, his daughter doesn't escape they make sure that she stays, you know, that is, I think a subtle thing that pulls it together. Um, cause religion really isn't too heavily into this movie. Like even, well, even well, the, I, I'd say it is and it isn't, it's like, it's riding the coattails almost, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's very subtle behind everything, whether it's the imagery of him doing the prayer in the beginning, the cross that hangs from his thing, um, Jake Gyllenhaal's tattoo on his thumb. So it's, I think that's another good good point too, because it's not up in your face. It's kind of just riding the coattails, which doesn't, again, make it like a hammy movie about the war against God. That's kind of just the motivation at the end of the day for the character, you know? Yeah. 
And it's sort of everything they do. They're totally right in actually fighting that war. They corrupt a priest who's already corrupt even more by, you know, he breaks confessional and actually kills a guy because of it. It really is. But see, that's the thing, because it has to be subtle, like you said, on the coattails, because we don't even take into account how similar the situation with the priest is with Hugh Jackman. It's not something on the forefront of your brain because you just want to solve the mystery. I mean, I didn't even think about it until you brought it up in this review, and I it's been like a full 24 hours since we watched it. <laughs> yeah, do, uh, I'm, try, I'm trying to uncover where the, the real gripping nature of the movie is. I feel like it's definitely the mystery itself and the way it evolves in those ways we talked about of how the script constantly makes you switch up whose side you're on. And yeah. Again, it's not a like having the sketch be on TV and that's how he got the tip to go to the uh, children's clothing store. Like that's a very realistic way for that to happen. It doesn't make me question too much around it. So like I don't have to spend five minutes thinking, well, how did he actually find that out? It's all very realistic in not only how these characters are acting, but how everything progresses. Yeah, it it doesn't. It doesn't make you switch who you think the villain is in like, oh, we found this one piece of evidence and now we know. It's more of like, I'm not rooting for you because I've seen what you've been doing. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, yeah. I Because I see it. I see what you've been doing behind the scenes and you're no longer a father who's broken from the loss of his daughter, but a father who's broken through the actions that he puts out to protect his own daughter. Yeah, I guess you can yeah. kind of compare that to uh, to Terrence Howard and how he's not on board with it at all. It deeply bothers him. And then by the time that um, Hugh Jackman sets him up in the little torture chamber, he's like, dude, I'm out. You're not doing this correctly. He even says, I would die for my daughter, whether you want to believe that or not. But this is not right, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's so well done. <laughs> Like, un- honestly, honestly, I feel like as much as we can talk about it, again, it's a movie that really wants the viewer to put the pieces together themselves. And so I think this is, although this movie is very intense, possibly not for everybody, but this is definitely a good movie to show your friends because while they're watching it, they're going to have no idea what's going on and want to put the pieces together themselves. And I feel like that's one of the most fun things about watching a movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. It it's a great watch. Um, you know, I just realized they mentioned something about snakes, and there are a bunch of snakes in that one scene. Oh, some would say that characters slither through this story. I hate you so much. Looks like I'm gonna have to watch this movie again. So, Luke, any anything else to say about this movie before we start closing things up? I mean, I don't know, dude. I almost I almost feel like. I almost feel like we, we, we weren't even able to do it justice because it's so it's just so well written that like I think it really is in the hands of the person who's watching it and how they interpret it. And if you watch this movie and you don't like it, I feel like it, it can kind of just come on that overwhelming feeling of stress and anxiety while you're watching it. And we, before we wrap up, we didn't really talk about the ending, dude. So what? what oh, what, yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think happens when the red whistle is blown by Hugh Jackman? Do you think Jake Gyllenhaal just drives away or do you think he investigates? 
That's the thing. I, I got to assume he investigates. I, I, I think it. he does too. He's way too analytical to hear it multiple times and assume it's just in his head. Yeah, and I think that I think that ending has a lot of people on whether they like the movie or don't like the movie. Um, I think that's one of the best endings. I, I think it's one of the best endings to a movie I've ever seen because it still leaves it up in the air. Is everything actually going to get explained or is just what they know going to be that? Because really, Hugh, Hugh Jackman is kind of the only one left who can actually explain everything that was happening. Exactly, dude. And what I also found really interesting was by the time that he saves the daughter and drives her to the hospital, which was an amazing scene, I might add, after that happens and it fades to black and you wake up the next day and she's okay and the bullet wound from his head didn't end up like killing him or like severely hurting him or anything – it's not even a happy ending. Like, it's not happy. Like, no, yeah. even though the daughter is returned to her family, we know the things Hugh Jackman has done and the way he's going to have to pay for what he did and how this family is possibly broken forever. So it's Hugh Jackman's ends really did not justify his means. And if he sat back, then I feel like Jake Gyllenhaal probably had a good a good case to find out who the real killer was. Yeah. Definitely had a better, definitely had a better chance because they both sort of arrive at that point on their own. They don't, you know, it's not the actions of one or the other. They both do it individually. So, prisoners. Well, prisoners is a it's a crime thriller, in probably the truest sense of the genre. It's produced by lesser known production companies, and honestly, they create a masterpiece from the writing to set and locations. It's gripping by constantly having you question morality and before the end even has you question who the actual perpetrator is in the movie. Every actor brings their A-game to make totally fluid and believable characters that seem like distinct people. No one seems two-dimensional, even with only a limited amount of screen time. The plot allows for an amount of stability for the audience without having you constantly question who the villain is, but rather slowly evolves how we see villains, how no character is without fault, creating a purely human experience, forcing a wanting need to know who people are rather than what they have done. Watch it yourself. Watch it yourself. I'm assuming <laughs> if you listen to this whole review, you've already seen the movie, but you really, really just go back and watch it again. <laughs> go back and watch it again and then show it to somebody who you think would like it and get their opinion on it. Cause I think there's so much to talk about with this movie and masterclass, masterclass, easy, easy masterclass, easy masterclass film. So, Thank you for joining us tonight. Message us at Midnight Showing Podcast on Instagram or email Midnight Showing with Luke and Nash at gmail.com to stay in the loop for upcoming episodes and offer suggestions for the movies we watch and the future content we can bring to you. Uh, be sure to check us out at ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. And next week, we're featuring Rob Roy with the legendary Liam Neeson. And remember, your donations keep the blue lights on. Jingle bells, a Batman smells, a Ravulay. <laughs> I, I hate you. <laughs>